Welcome to the Wednesday, August 4th edition of the Daily Wager podcast. A lot to get to today. Team USA playing for an opportunity to get to the gold medal round. Golf, baseball, and all that good stuff. Settle in, settle back, enjoy. Give us the next 10 minutes and we'll give you the landscape of the betting market for the next few days. All right, boys and girls, welcome to the Daily Wager podcast presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. Alongside Tyler Folger, my name is Joe Fortenball. Tyler, we're starting with the biggest story. The biggest story in sports, it is Matt Harvey Day. Matt Harvey and the Orioles are taking on the Yankees as plus 230 underdogs. Harvey's last three starts, incendiary, 18 and a third innings pitched, zero Earned runs, 11 strikeouts, one walk. The Orioles are 0-3. Dare I say Matt Harvey Day has now become betting on Matt Harvey rather than fading Matt Harvey. Joe, I was born in the night. And I am willing. (laughs) I am willing, actually, to uh, bet the under in this game at Yankee Stadium. I think it's maybe worth a sprinkle uh, on Matt Harvey because he's in such good form and the Yankee offense is still proving to be despite the additions kind of um, feast or famine. And they certainly uh, ate last night against the Orioles. But, you know, Jorge Lopez, who is one of the you know worst statistical starters in Major League Baseball this season, absolutely shoved against them on Monday. So with Harvey in good form and with the uh, Yankees throwing Jamison Tyon, who's a righty, even though he's been up and down this season, um, the Baltimore Orioles offense – much better against left-handed starting pitching. We saw that against Andrew Haney on Monday. So I'd probably sprinkle some on the under here with Harvey going well and the O's facing a right-handed starter, but that's about all I can do. If you want to bet Matt Harvey and ride the trend, I wouldn't blame anyone at all. He is, after all, the hero we need, the Dark Knight. (laughs) Plus 230 right now, considering how he's been playing and how the Orioles have been playing off the all-star break, looks like an enticing price going up against the Yanks. Maybe just a sprinkle. Let's start with Team USA basketball. Depending on where you are, this game is going to be played just after midnight on the East Coast, 12.15 p.m. Eastern, which means it's early Thursday morning. For us here in Las Vegas, it will be 9.15 p.m. Pacific on Wednesday. The United States lane, 12. Total is 181 as they take on Australia who beat the U.S. in an exhibition in Las Vegas a few weeks back. How would you approach betting this game? Yeah, I think Australia is the, the best team that the United States can face. I'm going to take the points with uh, the Aussies. The, the fade USA has not been profitable for me outside of the first game they played of this uh, Olympics uh, against France with the loss, but they've covered every game since then. But it's kind of been backdoor covers um, with you know hot runs you know, big runs in the second half or the uh, fourth quarter there. So I am going to ride Aussies one more time. If the Americans advance, I may need to eat some crow and uh, back (laughs) the red, white, and blue with my emotions and my wallet. But um, the Aussies have a very, very good team, a very balanced team that can do things in many ways to attack weaknesses of the Team USA defense. And if the three-point shots aren't falling for Kevin Durant, Dame Lillard, and the like, then um, it could be trouble for Team USA in terms of covering and maybe even losing outright. I'm coming out swinging. I'm going to take Australia first to 20 points plus 180. 
I'm shocked it's plus 180. I understand the fact that they should be a dog, but the U.S. is sitting here at minus 220 to be the first team in this matchup to get to 20 points. All right, that implies a 68.7% probability. I do not think that that's the case. Go back to the U.S.'s last matchup against Spain. Spain was the first to 20 points. They led 21 to 19. Go back to the matchup before that against the Czech Republic, who the Americans were favored by more than 20 against. The Czech Republic beat the U.S. 21 to 12 in the race to 20. Australia is the best team that Team USA will have played to this point. Team USA already lost to them in the exhibition round. Now, maybe we can just throw that out the window. But ultimately, you put these two together, given all the information and data points that we have, and you said the U.S. is minus 220 to get to 20 points first. I'll go the other way on that. Australia plus 180. That'll be the bet for me in tonight's matchup. Winner advancing to the gold medal game. We got some golf coming up this weekend. Interesting tournament. Uh, Part three is something we'll be doing later today on bet. You can catch Tyler and I on bet Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 Pacific on ESPN Plus and all of ESPN's digital channels like Twitter and Facebook. Maybe we don't release three unless you love them, but you can give out whatever you want. The WGC FedEx St. Jude at TPC Southwind in Memphis, Tennessee. 58 of the top 100 are in this event. This is only a 66-player field. Justin Thomas is your defending champion. Feed the people. No cut event. WGC FedEx St. Jude. So keep that in mind. Um, That usually um, helps or benefits guys who can score really well in one round. When you're not getting cut, you can be in last place or 50th place going into the weekend, but a 63 on Saturday will vault you way up the scoreboard. And if you can replicate something like it again Sunday, you can move around the scoreboard a lot is what I'm saying here. But course history um, through my research, I've learned is something that is really um, stood, stood out at TPC Southland more than other places. So a couple of guys that I'll give you have tremendous course history there, starting with Billy Horschel. Top 20 is plus 190. Pretty good price for uh, Billy Horschel. He's been top 25 in each of the two WGC no-cut versions of this event at TPC Southland. And then he's been top 10 in five of the seven events he's played at TPC Southland, dating back to 2013. So he loves this course, plays well at this course for whatever reason. His form is pretty good in terms of a key metric that plays well at this event. He's 17th in the field and shot strokes game, pardon me, off the tee over his last 20 rounds, and he loves putting on Bermuda grass, and that's the type of greens you're going to see down there in Memphis. A second name is Daniel Berger. Daniel Berger for a top 10 is plus 160. Now, he's just a better, more talented golfer than Horschel, and he has an even better history at this uh, specific course than even Horschel. He has two wins back-to-back in 2016 and 17 at TPC Southwind when it was a full-field event, so there was a cut. Last year, when it was, again, a WGC no-cut event, he finished T2 with Brooks Kepka behind Justin Thomas. So great history at this course. His form is in good shape, especially in loaded fields. He finished seventh at the U.S. Open and eighth at the Open Championship across the pond. And over the course of this uh, basically entire calendar year, Berger has a 50% hit rate of finishing in the top 10. Over his last 14 events, which basically stretches back um, to January or a little bit beyond, he's finished top 10 in seven of those 14 events. So at plus 160 for Berger to be in the top 10 at a course he loves, I like that along with Billy Horseshoes Horschel, top 20 at plus 190. (laughs) All right. I'll play Dustin Johnson at 18 to 1 to win this thing. I think it's a great buy low spot. 
Johnson had a shaky year earlier. He missed the cut at the Masters and the PGA Championship, and it kind of feels like we all forgot about him. So now he's priced at 18 to 1 rather than, say, 10 or 11 to 1, which is what we'd see if he'd be in form. The thing is, he kind of is in form. He's been all right as of late. He hasn't been great, but his course history here is fantastic. He won this event in 2018 and in 2012. He's got 13 straight rounds under par at Southwind. So he plays very well here. And he hasn't been awful as of late. He did make a run at the Open Championship and was in contention, at least from the fringe, for a little while. So I think 18-1 to 1 is value. I'm going to give you two other plays. And there's a very specific strategy I'm employing for this tournament and this tournament only because this won't work anywhere else. I'm betting against Olympians. I think the jet lag and the travel is going to have an effect. So if I have the opportunity to take a guy who's in good form or plays well on this course and he's going against an Olympian – I'm going to take that shot. And the first one out of the gate, it's a four-round matchup. Matthew Fitzpatrick plus 115 over Xander Shoffley. Everybody loves Xander Shoffley right now. Not only has he been in contention all year, but he just won the gold medal. So he's won a gold medal, and he's coming all the way across the planet to play in this event. What's his motivation? What's his body clock? What kind of shape is he going to be in for this one? Right? Big fade this week. Meanwhile, Fitzpatrick didn't play in the Olympics. He's well-rested since he finished 26th at the Open Championship and was a runner-up in Scotland right before that. At Southwind, he's played twice, fourth place and sixth place. His scoring average at Southwind is incredible, 67.5. Wrong guy's favorite, in my opinion, but I can understand why. The public's going to be on Shoffley. Watch out. He was across the pond playing at the Open Championship. Then he goes across the planet to play in Japan. And now he's coming all the way back. I think there's an opportunity there. Another fade, and you might hear about this on Daily Wager today, 6 p.m. Eastern ESPN2. First round matchup between three golfers, okay? The three golfers are going to be Colin Morikawa at plus 130, Hideki Matsuyama at plus 188, and Harris English at plus 225, all right? You got to pick the winner of the three, and it's only for the first round. Again, I will take Harris English at plus 225. Matsuyama and Morikawa were just in Japan in the Olympics. English was not, and he's easy to overlook. But keep in mind, he was third at the U.S. Open, and he won the Travelers. He also won this event back in 2013. So that's dated. I understand that. But he's in good recent form, and he's rested against two golfers who are coming all the way across the planet. I think fading the Olympians is a strategy worth considering this week as everyone gets set to bet some golf. Finally, before we say goodbye to everybody, anything on the diamond catch your eye, strike your fancy that you'd like to share with the great people? I will not be deterred by my best bet blowing up last night with 19 runs at Coors Field between the Cubs and the Rockies. (laughs) I'm going right back to the well. Going to play an under 11, 11 and a half with the uh, Cubs and the Rockies. Again, the trend that I showed, which is now 11 and 2, in the last 13 games at Coors Field with the over yesterday, the under. Again, 11-2 and two the last 13 games at Coors Field, um, especially since the Cubs traded away 40% of their offense with Baez, Rizzo, and Bryant. Uh, we have John Gray on the bump for the Colorado Rockies, who's been very good this season, even at home. Uh, Zach Davies pitched yesterday for the Cubs, and he is someone who doesn't miss a lot of bats and can be lit up. Alec Mills is a much better pitcher in terms of uh, invoking strikeouts and getting soft contact, things like that. So both teams are rolling out better pitchers. 
than they had last night. Kyle Freeland, who's pretty good on the bump for the Colorado Rockies, but John Gray and Herman Marquez certainly better in that rotation. So I will go right back to the well, play under at Coors Field with the Cubs and the Rockies. Cubs offense has been decimated. Rockies offense is just meh, and we have two better starting pitchers than we saw last night. So we'll not be deterred by 19 runs at Coors Field. I'm going to keep playing unders there the rest of the year. That's what they call fortitude, son. Fortitude. I like it. Going back to the well, good angles there. I'm going to give you a pitching prop. Carlos Carrasco is pitching for the Mets against the Marlins. Pitching prop over four and a half strikeouts. A little juicy at around minus 135. I am going to play that over. Carrasco made his season debut last week, July 30th, against Cincinnati. He struck out four, but he only threw 58 pitches over four innings. I think the Mets are going to stretch him out a little bit more Tonight, for his career, nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings. If that was just his average for this season, that would rank 21st among qualified MLB starters this year. He can rack up the strikeouts. He gave you a four on 58 pitches in his first start. But the key here as well is Miami this season. Fourth highest K rate in all of baseball. Sixth most strikeouts in all of baseball. And specifically against righties, seventh highest K rate and eighth most strikeout. So you get a team that strikes out a lot against the strikeout pitcher who's possibly not in form as of yet. It's just the second start of the year. But what we saw against Cincinnati is a very, very good sign, in my opinion. Carlos Carrasco of the New York Mets over four and a half strikeouts against the Miami Marlins. That right there is a wrap for today. Ten minutes of the bets you need as promised. If you get the chance, we'd appreciate it. Subscribe, rate, and review. It does help the show out when it comes to all the algorithms and all the stuff that I can't possibly explain to you right now. Catch Tyler and I on Bet Today, Monday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, 4 Eastern, 1 Pacific on ESPN Plus and all of ESPN's uh, social media channels. And then Daily Wager is back in your grill, 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. Until then, thanks for listening, everybody, and good luck tonight. <laughs>